Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Monday edition of Dirt Talk. I am 50% of the hosts on the show, Aaron Witt. We're here to make the dirt world a better place. That's what BuildWit is all about, and we're very happy to have you today. As always, I'm joined by my co-host. This is Alex Horton. Howdy. Mr. Alex Horton. We are back in business. Alex, however, is still at the beach. He's actually uh, recording this from the beach as we speak. If you listen very closely, you'll hear the waves and seagulls and screaming children in the background. Yeah, I almost thought about doing it out at the pool, but it'd just be a little too uh, jealousy-inducing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Let's not do that. You know, here in Nashville, <laughs> it's cold and rainy today, so I don't need any of that today. Did y'all get any snow last week? I, there was rumor that Nashville may have gotten snow. No, it got cold, but okay. uh, uh, I mean, a lot of the country got snow. I mean, mm-hmm. late a late uh, late April snowfall is always. I don't know if it's welcome, but mm-hmm. it's a, a nice surprise if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess the one interesting thing about today on my end of the the podcast is I'm in the middle of our four by four by forty eight challenge, so that it might be why I am. Uh, Sounding to be a little low energy. I'm not bringing my usual pizzazz today because um, I think I'm. We're nearly 30 miles in to the 48 miles. I think we're going to do 52, a little bit of extra credit, and it's we're running uh, four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And so I think we're uh, leg. The next run will be eight of 12. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, that's one word for it. It's more so just. <laughs> insane uh it's me and benjamin holmgren uh yeah. who is part of the buildwood team doing it and then we have our favorite hawaiian chemo from truth excavation out in maui doing it as well he's a few hours behind us but uh he's making it happen too i've heard that he's either going to buy buildwood or you're going to buy his him which one well, so we've already bought Truth Excavation, but he started a competitor, uh, a, a, a competing media business that's called Clarkwit. <laughs> and he claims it's the best construction media business in the world right now. So there is, uh, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some competition there and we're trying to iron out the, uh, the details, but that's, that's where we stand. And, and for those of you that think I'm serious, I'm not serious. I found out Alex, we all we uh, some of our team went to dinner this past weekend, and um, I found out that some of our partners thought that my post about Buildwood excavating and grading was uh, they thought I was serious in starting a com- a, a competing grading business. <laughs> well, didn't you lead off with you're looking to undercut everyone? Yeah, and people also thought that was serious. So, oh, geez. And they started lecturing me on how underbidding people is not a good thing to do. You're like, <laughs> Thank, oh, okay. Thanks, LinkedIn. Yeah, thanks, Jeff from, Le- from lesson Kansas. Lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's that's what I have going on right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to record a podcast with you, entertain our people, fulfill our obligation to uh, to give everybody a Monday episode, and then I am off to run another four miles. How's your mile time on the last leg or two? We've been as consistent as we're at about nine minute miles. So not super fast, not slow. It's a, it's a brisk pace, I'd say. Sure. 
Yeah, it's pre- pretty consistent. We've been doing a little over. So we're, I mean, it's pretty much like 40 minutes per run right now. Are you doing um, the same loop? Uh, we have a, a daytime run and then a nighttime run because Ooh, nice. the daytime run is somewhat through the woods. And when you go through the woods at night, it is both spooky and treacherous uh, because there's like little skunks out that you could scare or, you know, just the little critters that you don't really want to mess with at night that come out and have fun while the people are asleep. So we have a different route for the evening with street lights. And it's a, uh, I would say the one course is the wildlife course and the other course is the industrial course because we, <laughs> we, we run by an equipment yard and a scrap yard, which is my preferred run. Is it down? Is that down by the river? Down by the river, yes, nice. sir. Yep. Very cool. Down by the river, um, and it's nearly to downtown Nashville, nearly to Broadway. Awesome. Well, I hope that y'all finish up well. Chemo put a post. This was it today or maybe yesterday about like why doing something like the forty-eight miles in forty-eight hours is is pretty powerful stuff. Are is there any like emotional stuff while you're doing it, or or? Or is there a certain like focus thing that you're like finding having run in, or is it just like I'm running this with my buddy who I work with right now? Um, I do it for a few different. It's it's really difficult because I mean a four mile run is very easy. Yeah, that's what I I do it every single day. I run seven days a week, and so for like a four mile run walk in the park, but the compounding of it really starts to hurt a little bit. Yeah, and mess with you a little bit, and then. On top of that, you start to get sleep deprived because like you only have maybe three hours to get some sleep while at night before you have to run again. But the problem is you're so wired that you can't really fall asleep all that well. And then when you finally get asleep, your mind's kind of playing tricks on you because you know you have to run in a few hours again. So we're doing, I think, six, 10, two, six. So we had to run at 10 p.m., 2 a.m., and then 6 a.m. And it screws with you a little bit. So those are the two factors that make it a lot more complicated. But it's really not all that bad in the grand scheme of things. And I'm doing it because it's just cool to do something that takes you way outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, it pushes you and takes you to a new place. So you're when you get done, you're pretty damn proud of yourself. You're like, okay, you know, that's a new feather for my cap and I'm feeling good. I'm the man. And then lastly, and this is my favorite part. I'm going to make a post about this today. I like people thinking I'm crazy <laughs> because there's value in that. There's yeah. value in people thinking you're just a little insane, um, especially just from a competitive place. You know, people competing with us are like, yeah, that guy's insane. If he can do that, what's, what else is he willing to do? And I like that. I think that's the right attitude to have. Yeah, there's a, um, I was going to tell Benjamin this, there's a book I read about, the, it's like the 32, 33 strategies of war. And so each chapter has a different historical story from warfare and kind of the lessons learned from that story. And so there's one about this this tribe that would, for no reason, go and just randomly kill people. Just and and just do it in such a ridiculous manner for no reason whatsoever. And this, I mean, so they would go and these other groups that would think of, of messing with them, they would they would overrun the place, 
and would just sporadically kill like one person or something like that in just such a brutal fashion that they just struck fear into everybody. And, you know, like when you're facing an enemy like that, that's just completely irrational and just willing to do anything, then people are super uneasy to challenge them again. And it's a very interesting concept and a concept that I really appreciate. Are we going to literally do that? No, I, I we have no plans as as of right now to kill people. Cool. Okay. Important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be that would be crossing a line. Um, however, important to make that clear on the podcast. Y- yes. Yes. So um, there's no gray area there. But but we are willing to, or I am willing to run four miles every four hours for forty eight hours. So that's where we are. That's where we are. Uh, we've got a couple uh, BuildWit things to talk about this week. Um, is this the first Monday podcast we've done in a while where we didn't hire somebody the week before? Or did we hire somebody last week? So we have someone starting Monday, Nia. She's a writer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that come through like two weeks ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Exciting. No, we're, yeah, we're pretty consistent on the hiring front. So, yeah, so we have a new writer coming on board. Uh, Monday, the f- super funny backstory there. I know nothing about her other mm-hmm. than she, when I was on the Entre Leadership podcast back in December, yeah, I think it was, she was doing the show notes for the podcast and then started looking into us and then ended up applying to work for us. Oh, cool. After hearing that podcast and not only hearing it, but she was the one actually writing up the show notes, which is super, super funny. That's cool. Um, so we're really excited to have her on board. And then we're working on a few more folks as we speak. Um, so it's a lot of really, really exciting stuff on the growing the team front. And then this past week, we had a few people into Nashville, um, Dan, Randy, Skyler, Jake, Benjamin's here. Uh, to meet about some projects that we're going to be working on pretty soon. And it was just three days of awesome conversation, um, really candid conversation. We had some tough conversations. We've had some you know, interesting conversations. We challenged one another and really started to figure out where we're taking the business. Um. We'll explain it as it unfolds in the next few months. I'm more of a guy that's like, I'm. Let's go do it, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, but it's it's really really cool stuff. We've been confused as a business for quite a while. It's like one of the main criticisms we've had from from other people is like, okay, so if you guys are so good at storytelling, why do you suck so bad at telling your own story? And we didn't really we're like, yeah, that's that's a great point. Wealth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, very well made point that we need to address. And over the next few weeks, and I think it'll start to really materialize publicly in July. So after about two months of working on it, we're going to be, everything will make a lot more sense. I yeah. think as as our business grows and we reframe who we are, what we're up to, and then put it out there into the world. So I'm I'm... It was Dan, he went into this week and he just said, I think this is going to be the best week of business yet. Coming out of it, hands down, best week of business yet for a lot of different reasons. That's exciting. Yeah. 
can't wait to uh, hear all the new stuff y'all worked out as well as um, officially announce some of the other exciting stuff we're working on. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and we're going to roll it out internally on Friday. So we're going to have a two-hour call with everybody on Friday to reset and, and illustrate exactly where we're headed, why we're headed there, and then what everybody's place is. Because the confusion is not only public, but the confusion is certainly internal. Like that was one of the big things we talked about this past week was there's just some people that are confused what role they play here. And it's, that's a big problem. And we know it exists. We've been yeah. working on this for about a month now. Just, okay, what's the vision? Dan and I, we put it, all right, what's, we're the ones that, you know, we say, okay, we're going to go take this hill. And then it's up to our team to actually take the hill. And so it's, you know, what's everybody's role in taking the hill and how does everyone come together to make it happen? Yeah. And, and that's what we're really focused on clearing up for our team over the next week. So really cool stuff. Awesome. That means I get to cancel the call that I host on Fridays with our team. But I think that's... Correct. I think it's okay. I'll be okay this week. Yeah. Yeah. You are out of your hosting gig this week. Um, but next week... You're not, you're not uh, so lucky. That's how it happens. I just want to do a quick shout out for our video team. There's been some, uh, let's say, external criticism, maybe, of some of the things they're working on. And we just recently got some feedback from um, a new client and a potential partner that we're working with that they basically just said, we're so blown away by the work that the video team has, has put together. And so it's really exciting to see those kind of projects where it's like, I had zero to do with this and this thing rocks yeah they and they had a really rough week this past week mm-hmm. um, and even Chell, I think he made a post about it yesterday like this was probably the hardest week of my professional life but that's a good thing and that's so cool uh, uh it, it's just so indicative of what we're building and the culture we're creating because he was almost excited that it was hard and things went wrong and they had to have tough conversations and go way outside their comfort zone and and learn new ways of doing what they've been doing for two years very well. And it's all going to come together in a really, really cool fashion. So yeah. they're already delivering incredible work that I, I'm just blown away by. And yet they're still getting uncomfortable. They're still getting even better. And they're still, I mean, not even, I, I'd say they're hungrier than ever before. Um, so this past week they were in Florida and I just, I can't wait to see what they, what they come up with. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Um, but in, in the video team, um, gets a lot of credit cause it really is, you know, largely the tip of the spear in for the creative business. And they're oftentimes the face of the business cause they're the ones out in the field, but all of our teams have just been killing it. Like Jack yeah. had an awesome, awesome paid ads when, you know, he, we, we started doing, a paid ads campaign for a company and they needed more work. And it was a, it wasn't a, a contracting company. It was kind of a, a subsidiary of one of our partners. And they told us, okay, Hey, so we need to turn the ads off because we're so damn busy. And now we need to create another campaign for hiring because we, we need, now we have much so much work. work. We need to start hiring people. This has just gone out of control. Yeah. It, it's really, really cool stuff to see, um, see things like that. It's like, okay, this is actually working and this is pretty cool. 
Yeah, when you get into SEO and paid advertising and the whole digital marketing side of things, it's just witchcraft as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty neat what they can do. We were actually, as far as SEO is concerned, we were Googling ourselves the other night to see who was ranking first. And uh, it's totally a pointless. I mean, it's not much of a bragging right to say you're first on Google. But just in case people are curious, at least when we searched me, I was first on Google. So big deal, big stuff. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. Well, uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> I, I'm extremely, I'm, I'm, I think my mom's going to be really proud. That's why we're here. Well, that's enough marketing talk. I guess the, the one last thing, the office, we have walls up right now. Heck yeah. Um, and we're, we're getting electrical already worked on too. So HVAC is almost done. Walls are up. Uh, electrical's going in this week. And then once that comes together, we're going to start drywall. And we went and saw the first workstation, which is just beautiful from Southern Maple Co. And it's starting to materialize. We're getting there. We're getting somewhere. Uh, next week, I'm going out to see Randy at Southern Maple. And I'm bringing like a microphone stand and a headphone amp and just like all the more technical aspects that having a podcast studio requires. And so it's going to be fun to just be like, here's my backpack full of gear. All these things in here need to have a home on this table. Oh, oh, I was wondering why you were going out there. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And Molly, Molly's the one who suggested that. And I said, that actually makes a ton of sense because it, it's hard for me to just communicate that. It's like, I need storage on the table and without him really seeing exactly what that is. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in making sure everybody communicates with one another yep. like that. So it's like we could have a million calls or Molly, our designer, could be the go-between between you and Randy. Or it's like you could just go spend an hour of your time going to his workshop, bringing a backpack of the stuff and saying, hey, this is what we need. And just working together on it and figuring it out very quickly rather than trying to go between people and go through a process and maybe get what you want, maybe not. I'm, I'm a big believer in just connecting dots. Yeah. And maybe I'll throw some... Uh like raw edge wood in my car and be like, hey, can I run this to your planer real quick? While I'm here, while I'm here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey, might as well. Yes, yeah, so that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, Aaron, we've got a couple great questions this week, including one from a listener who has been mentioned before on this podcast with a question. Um, but this question is also good. I mean, it's it's that's probably going to start happening more and more because we have a very limited listener base. That's true. Only five people is going to get around the circle soon enough. Mm -hmm. And every time I send in a question, I just Venmo them a little bit to, to incentivize them yeah. to keep, keep making up questions for us. Well, that's, that's all that we do. Everyone ever who's ever had a question on this podcast gets paid. Don't you know? Yep. Don't you know? Yep. They're actually all BuildWit employees <laughs> just operating under pseudonyms. Yep. That's all, that's all of our social media engagement on any of the platforms. It's just our own team with burners. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so this first question is from friend of the program, Lewis Lai from the UK. He says, you mentioned some company owners rode around with their hair on fire in a manner of stress-related issues, etc. You've surrounded yourself with the best of the best employees. Thanks, Lewis, for that shout out. Uh, meaning that there's a little less to worry about. However, there must be times you do stress, whether it be currently or about something that's going to happen in the future. How do you or will you get through those high stress moments. I do stress every once in a while, but it's not 
Not high stress, honestly. I mean, I, I, I get a little stressed out here or there, but everything for how much we're doing, how many problems we have, I feel like some business owners, they talk about how stressed they are. And I like, I almost feel self-conscious about it. Like, should I be more stressed? And then I'm like, no, that sucks. I don't want to do that. Um, but I guess to answer the question, consistent exercise is a game changer, is an absolute game changer. So consistent exercise, I would say, is is a big piece of how I manage. Consist- consistent therapy, huge piece of how I manage. Just being able to talk things through and a lot of what I talk through in therapy is work-related, is just talking through what's going on at the company and how I'm feeling about it. And um, like, like in California, for example, I felt like there were moments where like I felt guilty for being out in California. And I might've touched on that in the past podcast, but I just like the irrational part of your mind sets in like, wow, really, they, they don't, they don't really need me anymore. And I kind of feel guilty for just having fun out here while everybody's back home working. And I kind of want to be a part of that. And it's just a lot of irrational thinking, but still stuff worth working through. So rather than just stewing on it, you know, go to therapy the next week and we talk it through for an hour. And then I feel like a million bucks after. And I'm sitting here, I was thinking about my run the other day. Like, I cannot believe more people don't do this because I feel like it's a superpower of mine. So I would say physical health, mental health are two big things. And then lastly, I've just learned to reframe things. So it's like when problems arise, I don't get stressed out about them. I almost get, I'm so screwed up. I get excited about them because it's like, okay, this is a huge problem, but this just means it's an opportunity and there's a way out of this. And these are the problems that, make other people quit. And this is what sets us apart. And if it were easy, anyone would do it. And the harder it gets, the more insulated we become. So I get really excited about things going wrong these days and big problems happening. And it's every single week, big problem, big problem, big problem. So rather than just getting all worked up about them and stressed, I... I get excited and I just get hungry and, and, and sit down and actually think things through without getting all worked up and emotional about it. Because when you're all worked up and emotional, you can't actually react in an intelligent manner. So I would say that's, that's how I do it. And then I guess one other thing I've been doing lately is um, just walking a little bit without music or anything to listen to podcasts. I usually when I, when I run, I listen to podcasts, but I've just tried to create some quiet space every single day and just allowed myself to just let my mind chew through things, be be grateful. You know, what are, what are three things that happened yesterday that I'm just really thankful and grateful for? Um, and that has brought me a lot of peace of mind and clarity as well. So beyond just building a great business with great people that are empowered to make their own decisions, that's what I would suggest. But first, I would just build a great business with <laughs> very smart people that are very motivated and happy to be there and are empowered to make their own decisions. It's like like we, we've been meeting for two days and I'll see a lot, of, a lot of people, they'll just get phone calls just nonstop all day long. My phone, 
it might have rang like twice in the in the two days. And it was almost like my first reaction is like, wow, that's kind of a bummer. Like, man, no one, no one wants to talk to me. And then, and then my rational brain kicks in like, no, that's a good thing because people aren't running to you for things. Like they're just, the business is still operating and you can just put your phone down and not have to worry about it. Or I can, if I want to be really involved one day, I can start calling people and seeing what's up and getting involved. But, you know, the past two days, I wanted to be really focused and present with the conversations going on. So it's super nice to have that freedom to get involved or get uninvolved as needed. Well, Lewis, I can't really add much to that. I feel like, Aaron, you have shaped that response pretty well. Very long-winded answer. Have you spoken to that much before? I don't know that you and I have talked about that very much. (laughs) We've touched on it a little bit, but really, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't feel all that stressed. Yeah. I really don't. Like, it's just, there's a lot of pressure and I, 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 I worry about things. There's a ton of pressure, but at the same time, I know we're giving it all we got. We're doing everything we can. I'm a hundred percent confident in it working out one way or another. We're going to figure it out and that's where I'm at. So that's why I can sleep pretty well at night. Word. Well, thanks, Lewis. That was a great one. Uh, next question is from at mostly diggers on Instagram in Ireland and the UK, you will rarely have a construction job of any size without a four by four forward tipping site dumper, a 13 ton excavator matched with a six ton or nine ton site dumper is the most common combo to get any kind of work done. Site dumpers range from one ton capacity up to nine or 10 tons and some have swivel skips. Is there any take up or interest in these kinds of machinery in the States? Um, I think I know what he's referring to and it's pretty rare. So the, the big difference between something like Britain or Ireland is you just have a lot less area and space in a place like that compared to the United States. The United States is a big place. It's a lot, a lot of wide open ground and we like to build all over it. And so it can accommodate typically much larger equipment and... I've noticed in Europe, they run a lot of smaller gear on projects a lot of times. And I, th- I think just if you had to think about it from a rational perspective, like, a, a, like if you had to justify it, it would probably, and this could be totally wrong, but just come down to space. I think this, the sites are just much smaller and compact on in a place like that, just across the board, rather than the United States, you just have bigger stuff going on because there's more room. Um. But also, some parts of the world just use different equipment that could work very well in one and another market, but just isn't there yet. Like, probably the best example is Europe has tilt rotators on every small excavator. Every excavator. I don't think there's an excavator that exists without one in the construction market in Europe. And in the United States, they're still very, very rare. They seem very common on social media because you know a few of the key people on there, like you know Dane and Ryan Goodfellow, and and they they have them on their machines, but they're extraordinarily rare. And yet they're super effective, and they'd be great in this market. They're just a new type of equipment, and the industry in the states, at least, is very resistant to change and likes to do things the way they've always done it. So it hasn't really taken hold as quickly as you'd think it would. Like I've seen them like, yeah, that's, that's a great tool that would benefit almost every contractor I know. 
However, almost nobody runs them. Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. Um, there's also, when, when you went to the Middle East, was that like two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, it's 2018. 2018. Um, even just some of the photos that you took when you were out there, comparing them to um, some of what our, our partners use, it, it just kind of seems like, you know, it, it is a world away. And I think the the choice of machinery is probably the same kind of thing. It's just different because it's... No, the, the, I mean, in Saudi Arabia, it was 2019. I, I was mistaken. Saudi Arabia is a pretty refined part of the Middle East, I'd say. I mean, it is a kingdom. Yeah. It's it's one I, I, I think it might be the last, the only kingdom in the in the world now. The only true kingdom in the world. And so it's a pretty tight ship. It's not like like I feel like when you say Middle East, at least Americans think of like footage on the news from from the war, Operation Iraqi Freedom, or like the de- desert storm or something like that, where everything's like a total disaster war zone. It's not, that's not really the case in the Middle East. Yeah. And especially in Saudi Arabia, it's pretty refined. So all the equipment is pretty similar to what you'd find in the United States. The big difference, big, big, big difference is nothing is tier four because there's no emissions requirements Mm -hmm. in a country like that. So you'll have brand new, like instead of a 980M loader, you'll have a 980 L loader. And so it looks exactly the same as a 980M. However, it doesn't have emissions on it. It doesn't have tier four. So it's just a very, it's just a standard loader with the same type of engine, but without any of the electronics and garbage emissions on top of it. That gives everybody problems in this country. So that was probably the biggest biggest difference was it's all it's all newer equipment but it's like the last model in the united states because in the united states you can't sell that equipment anymore got it okay that makes sense yeah because somebody in the government that was i I, i'm still convinced it was a money grab but someone in the government started accusing large construction equipment of global warming and now there's very stringent emissions requirements Sounds like a ploy of big dirt trying to make people buy big, new machines. Big dirt strikes again. And I mean, all the manufacturers are doing very well yeah. because these machines are a lot more expensive. And of course, they don't take on the cost themselves. They're going to, of course, put it onto the consumer. And then, you know, they're, they're big. I mean, it, it's actually working pretty well for the manufacturers because the manufacturers, and I don't know if they'd like to hear this, but they make most of their money off fixing machines. And machines break a lot more frequently now than they did before. And almost all problems are emissions related. I mean, not all, like it's, this is painting with a very broad brush, but it's a big problem. It's almost every single broken machine I see, probably like 75%, it's an emissions problem. And if you, if, and, and so in a country like Saudi Arabia or a less regulated country, if you don't have that, then you eliminate a very large percentage of your problems. Well, um, if you believe but it what, again, what do I know? What, <laughs> what, what do I know? What do I know? I'm just an idiot. Um, well, that actually leads pretty well into our last question. You set it up and you didn't even know it about me being an idiot. Uh, right before that. <laughs> uh, so thanks at mostly diggers. Um, all right. Last question. Will Aaron be handling maintenance duties on the build skid steer or will it be part of the agreement with bulk equipment? 
Wow, I hadn't even thought of that because Bulk is in Tennessee. That's from that question's from David Cutler, another friend of the program. That is funny. So, as far as me being mechanically inclined is concerned, I am not mechanically inclined. That's probably the best way to say it. I I am not at all. Like that's just not how I grew up. Um, I I can fix stuff around the house, and I'm capable. Like. I can do stuff and figure out how to do stuff. But when it comes to changing stuff out on my truck, for example, I'm worthless. And so I'm not only worthless, but like the reliability of our trucks is super important. So I don't even trust myself trying to do it. I'd rather just pay a little bit more to make sure it's done right. And so I don't have to worry about it, which I don't know if it's the best thought, but that's just how I put it. So I'm, I'm garbage at anything mechanical. Skid steer is obviously a mechanical piece of equipment. And I think I'm going to rely on Caterpillar to make sure it's tip top shape. The funny thing is there's not going to be a whole lot of maintenance on it because the number of hours we're going to run it is so low compared to a typical landscape contractor or just contractor in general that our maintenance costs are going to be very very minute. That is until you start running it out there with build with excavation and grading. You, you, well, yeah. If, if Eric Jumper gets a hold of it, <laughs> then we're going to have problems. But Eric Jumper, I think, is a lot more capable of fixing stuff than I am. So we'll, we'll, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So to answer your question, no, I will not be doing it because I am worthless when it comes to wrenching on equipment. And I'm okay with admitting that. And as we've said multiple times, this podcast is just a couple of idiots. That's it. That's all oh, we are. Yeah, I, um, I'm I, as just just as far as like how capable I am as a human, probably not not all as capable as I should be. So I've been thinking about that a little bit. Like maybe I should learn how to fend for myself a little bit. But it's like I can camp or when that tree fell in my yard, you know, you pull out the chainsaw and you get it done on your own. Like I, I'm not all that worthless. I'm not like a typical suburban dad but i could be better uh i'm a dad and i live in the suburbs just heads up coming right at me but are you are you typical no I would, i'm definitely not typical there you go so you're out of the woods i feel like my even just the way i dress everyone's like are you a dad or are you a musician or do you live in the south or are you a hipster what are you and i'm kind of like i don't know leave me alone you're all of the above. Yeah. I'm, Letter E. Just who I am, man. I'm wearing all of the above. I'm wearing multiple fishing clothes, and yet I'm an awful fisherman. So there you go. I was about to ask, like, how are you at fishing? I'm okay. I'm fine. But if someone's like, hey, I would love for you to teach me fishing, I'd be like, I'm out here just trying to figure it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe go to YouTube for that. <laughs> I see like fishing, another good example. I can do it. Yeah. I, I can catch a fish. But not the best. Not the best. I'm not like, hold on, let me get one of my multiple rods out that's got, I've got five different um, reels that I can put on there depending on the scenario. I'm like, no, I just have like a couple of everything and I'm just going to try to figure it out. That's all I got. Yeah. The one thing I would like to figure out as far as fishing is concerned is how to tie or how to make a fly. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. That'd be super cool. I've like, I've seen how they do it and it is so. I don't know if I have the patience for it right now, but when I'm in like my fifties, I think that is a prime 
hobby that I could pursue. You can do that or making ships and bottles could be cool too. You see, I don't know if I'd have <laughs> the same satisfaction or something like that because I think fishing, it's like, okay, I'm going to go make this beautiful little piece of art to go get dinner. And then use it. And then you have a delicious rainbow trout for dinner and you are very fulfilled and feel like a man. So I was camping one time with my my girlfriend at the time. We were in the middle of nowhere, backpacked in, mm -hmm. so no car yeah. or anything like that. And I used a Gatorade bottle and some rope to catch crayfish for dinner. And that was probably like, I don't know, one of the, like that might've been when I peaked <laughs> because I felt so useful as, as a man and a human, like, wow. I can actually feed myself in the wilderness. Yeah, that's awesome. This is something. But then I've never done it again. Where did you go do it? Did you have to, I guess out in Arizona, you have to carry your water in everywhere, don't you? Yeah. I mean, we were camping next to a stream, so you could technically purify it. Yeah. We, were, we were there. It was just like one night, maybe two. So it wasn't like carrying your water in for a night is not all that aggressive. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, caught them out of a Gatorade bottle. Well, props to you. And now now that we're talking about crayfish and Gatorade bottles, I think it's time to wrap this podcast up. I think that's fair. Um, though I would love to talk crawfish for like a whole nother hour. I do love a crawfish. Yeah, I, I've been wanting to do a boil. I was talking to Ben Schwanberg about the other day, like, hey, we should really do a boil because that would be... I, I legit did a actual big, big low country boil with shrimp instead of crawfish um, two days ago. Like I've got like the 60 gallon pot. That was like my stupid COVID purchase that it's like, I want the stuff to, to do big shrimp and crawfish boils. We should have a team crawfish boil. Shit, man. You're, you're talking my language. Um, now I'm going to eat some leftovers of it because you're making me hungry. All right. We're going to do that. Yes. Last bit of housekeeping here. This week's guest, Mr. Randy Blunt of Blunt Contracting. Uh, really, really wonderful story that we talk about. We talk about, you know, he had to take over the business very early because his father passed away. So we get into that. We get into how they became a, a very profitable contractor and, and what his theories and, and thoughts are on that subject. And then they recently were acquired by WW Clyde out of um, Salt Lake City, Utah. So we talk about the acquisition, how that went down, why he sold the company and how it's been for him post-acquisition since he's still working for the company and is technically working for WW Clyde now. So it's, it's a really unique episode. Uh, and we talk about stuff that has never been close to covered on the podcast before. That's exciting. Randy's awesome. I love talking to him. Yeah, and he's, a, he's now an advisor to BuildWit, which has been an enormous asset for us. Yeah, the, the couple of times he's hopped on a call, he he drops a, a pretty good truth hammer that's always uh, well received and also is sort of a gut punch. It's like, you're right. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, so that's this week. And I believe that's a podcast. That's a podcast. That's a podcast. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you have questions for this Monday episode next week or Subsequent weeks, feel free to write us at dirttalk at buildwit.com with your questions, your comments, your feedback, your ideas, your 
pleasantries for Alex, whatever it may be, write us at dirttalk at buildwit.com, email us, and we will see you on the next episode. Stay dirty, everybody. We'll see you. Bye.